This is episode 314 of the Wrestling Brethren Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Wiener, along with Seth Zillman and Jared Aubrey. And on this episode, we are revealing who won the 2022 predictions contest, discussing hot button news items, and most importantly, giving out our year end awards. For the last time in 2022, hey, yo, J. Will. Get us started. What up? This is Josiah Williams, and you're listening to the Wrestling Brethren Podcast, where wrestling and pop culture collide. Yeah. Welcome in. This is not the 316, as Austin would have you believe. It is the 314. And this is the final episode of 2022. We will be giving out our year-end awards. We will be going over news items. And we will find out who won the predictions contest for 2022. But before we can get to any of all that... Seth, Jarrett, how the hell are you? Well, we uh, once again got to a part, uh, we got to an episode that is one of my favorite throughout the year. This is one of my favorite episodes to do. It's, I think we're going to have a lot of cool topics. We're probably going to agree on a lot, and there's probably going to be some stuff we're going to pick differently, but I'm definitely excited to do the show. Yeah, this is always one of my favorite shows. It it sucks that it's the year end and we have to take a break after this. But on the other hand, it's the year end and we get to give out a lot of cool awards all based on our own thing. There's no rules. It's just what we thought of throughout the year and it's going to be pretty fun. So let's get it done. And here I thought you were going to regale us with some... Uh double talk by saying it sucks that it's the year end and we got to take a break but at the same time it's the year end and we get to take a break <laughs> well let's get the first part out of the way and we will talk about the we're not going to go over the results of final battle but we will re go over the results of the predictions of final battle and we will say that well we all went four and three Four wins, three losses. Seth had 13 points. Jared had 13 points. But because I was the only one who picked the Briscoes to win the tag gold, I finished with 17 points. So that brings the final tally of the scoreboard. Jarrett crosses the century mark with victories, finishing 102 and 40 for a winning percentage of 718. And 320 points. I finished 97 and 45, winning percentage of 683, 289 points. And Seth finished 90 and 52, or winning percentage of 634, and 270 points. So Jarrett is the champion for 2022, and we will clear the slate and start over with the Royal Rumble in 2023. I want to start chanting, we're number three. We're number three. <laughs> I was kind of waiting for the gloating to start, Jarrett. <laughs> well, I, I was just going in order here, right? Usually Seth speaks first, so I was waiting for him. But if you want me to gloat, it's like, 
hey, that's a winning percentage that any sports team would absolutely love to have. And, uh, hey, I got over 100 wins. I'm, I had a good year. I'm pretty happy. Yep. And uh, we always got to start with the rumble where we <laughs> it's the only show of the year where you can actually lose points that you've already won. <laughs> so, so we will find out how that goes for us in about six weeks time or eight weeks time or whatever the week count is but i thought that we would just do our year-end award show but because of the time that has passed since our last episode and taking the break for the rest of the year there's just a handful of news items that popped up and I felt it would be irresponsible of us to just ignore these until they became old news in 2023. So we're going to touch on these topics, have a conversation, and then we will move on to the main event of the year-end awards. The first topic is Vince McMahon in the news once again. And it wasn't enough that Vince had to butt his way into the year-end awards, but now he's back in the news topics again. So, according to the Wall Street Journal via Fightful Select, Vince told those close to him that he's considering making a WWE comeback and got poor advice to retire. This with the revelation of two more lawsuits regarding sexual misconduct and assault. One new and one from Rita Chatterton, a former WWE referee. A higher up that Fightful spoke to was not concerned, mentioning that the stock price increased, viewership was boosted, and general morale recovered after Vince McMahon left. Quote, it would be a really selfish move for Vince to come back under any circumstances. The reason he left, how business has done since then, it'd really be selfish. But selfish activities are what led him to leaving in the first place. End quote. An employee of over a decade says they also believe that McMahon's family will actively encourage him to remain retired. That same source says they think that McMahon returning would do irreparable damage to the WWE brand and said that the few doubters that thought WWE would collapse internally have been proven wrong, with one notable name even admitting as such. Fightful spoke with over a dozen staff, talent, and employees on December 13th about the Wall Street Journal article, and the rarely unanimous reaction was that McMahon was not wanted back in any of his previous roles. Thoughts? Well, with, with Vince, I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all that he would want back in. I kind of half expected it really because this is a guy who's been the alpha male and doing everything his way for all of his career. So it's probably only a matter of time before something like this would happen. As far as whether he does come back or not, I I can't say. I, I do think he will appear on WWE programming in some capacity, even if it's just a walkout of mania or something. But, I mean, they, they already have everybody else in place with Stephanie and Nick Khan and Hunter basically run, running the show. And another thing I, I think a lot of people I thought, and uh, I don't want to say I'm thinking originally or this is my idea or something like that. It's, it's also not surprising, I guess, that in the end, the person who really took down Vince McMahon was Vince McMahon. You know, he, he didn't truly uh, 
lose rating war or something like that. It's just his own actions are what led to his downfall. And uh, somebody like that who usually gets what he wants or needs throughout all his life when he it's kind of hard to get away from that life. I hope I'm making sense with saying that. So it's like, it's not too surprising, but I'm with the people that say it probably shouldn't happen for all the obvious reasons you just mentioned. Seth, are you saying Vince screwed Vince? Yep. Nice. Yeah, but not before he's screwed. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, a, we're, we're a PG-rated show, so there's only... <laughs> <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, do I want to see Vince back? No, hell no. I mean, look what's happened in WWE since he's left. The right people have taken over. And and again, you know, who thought we'd be praising Papa H so much on this show, given the vitriol of a few years ago? But the guys turned things around. The, the, you know, Josh and I were just talking beforehand, real uh, before we got on the air. It's like, Raw was completely completely story driven tonight, and it was awesome. It wasn't epic, but it made great sense, and it was a really good show. This is the stuff they haven't been doing for a long time, and I can't help but think that if Vince came back, even if he was a janitor, that he'd find a way to stick his nose into something and just make it horrible. So let's just please take a deep breath. Those, you know, I'm sure Triple H and especially perhaps Stephanie are are feeling a little bit of pressure with this. Um, it is Vince. It is her dad. Um, it is the guy with decades and the family has many, many, many years of legacy in the pro wrestling business. But please, Vince is, Vince is retired for, well, multiple reasons. Um, some of them allegedly and some because he's just old and the way he does stuff is not working anymore the people that are in place are making it work and they're made they're they're pointing the ship back in the right direction let's just leave it as it is let it be awesome agreed and i concur i can't really add too much more other than stay the hell away all right next topic the mandy rose situation late on tuesday of last week a decision was made to strip her of the well not strip her have her lose drop the nxt women's championship uh, on a last minute decision to roxanne perez on nxt it was pushed up as opposed to when she was originally supposed to be losing the title which is believed to be at new year's evil which would have been on january 10th so she lost the title that night, and then the next morning on Wednesday, it was reported that she was released immediately following her match. She was released based on racy content that was posted to her subscription-based website. This is information that the WWE already had, but apparently some of the content was getting more and more risque, and they felt that it crossed the line of the parameters of her contract. So Mandy had said she was taken by surprise by the release. It was not something that was mutually agreed upon, as was reported at one point. 
But at the same time, she had been saying for a few weeks now that she knew her content would eventually get her in trouble. It likely became a problem tying into WWE sponsors, uh, such as Mattel or any of the other family-friendly or child-friendly sponsors that they have. And in the end, if they do not come to a resolution or an agreement or... If it's not like the Daniel Bryan thing where they just let things blow over and then rehire her, WWE may have just handed Mandy Rose over to AEW. But time will tell. Thoughts on the Mandy Rose week that she had? At first when I heard about it, I thought maybe it was one of those where uh, WWE tries to kind of control or get benefit from outside endeavors that uh, that uh, W wrestlers do. And uh, turns out, I guess it actually was the content because they, they had known about this site for a long time. And I guess once it got racy enough, so to speak, that that's when they put the brakes on it because they are a PG company. They're uh you know, they're trying to stay family friendly and such. So I, that's probably why they did. I think it's another case. She'll probably be back sooner or later. Uh, I don't know how soon I would imagine just with this news hitting, she probably got a ton more subscribers on that channel, but that's just a, a guess of mine, but she it does seem kind of fun. She bumped that? her subscription from $12 to $30 after that. incident. Yeah. So, yeah, and her her uh, followers are probably still gonna skyrocket. So I can see why they did it, why they let her go. I don't know where she would go as far as wrestling from here. I mean, I know people probably say, "Oh, well, here's your next AEW Women's Champion," but you know, we'll see. I mean, might take a break from wrestling if she's making enough on that site. But that's that's really all all I have is a. Uh, you know, I can understand why they did it. I'm not saying they've done it in their place, but uh, you know, we'll we'll see what the future holds. Right. I mean, I I don't know everything that went down here, but you would think that perhaps there could have or should have been a slap on the wrist first. It's like, hey, Mandy, your stuff is kind of getting a little bit. Hey, you know, you want to tone it down a little bit, or else we might have have to have a different kind of uncomfortable discussion. Give her a chance to tone it down a bit. Maybe that happened. Maybe that didn't. I don't. I don't know. But so it, this is a double-edged thing, not even a sword, but just a thing. So, like like Seth said, WWE is still trying to maintain somewhat of a PG image. I think they're slowly pulling away from that with the type of matches and things that have been happening lately. But yeah, they're still PG. So I can see where this crosses whatever imaginary line that they deem they have. On the other hand, while WWE is still a PG company, I mean, let's face it, sex still sells. This is why the ladies come out in the the outfits that they do. If it didn't matter, they'd all be covered up, right? So yeah, you can't have it both ways, right? So I think there's perhaps maybe been an overreaction here. Um Maybe there wasn't. I think there was. I think there could have been an opportunity to go. Hey, let's 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 tone it down a little bit. Um, I, I wouldn't have went right to release. I would have went to some sort of disciplinary thing. But I mean, then like 
well, let's be honest here. Like Mandy Rose is an attractive lady and you know, she wears what she wears out to the ring. Are you telling me that WWE isn't taking advantage of that to draw in male 18 to 34? I mean, come on. Um, that's what I mean by they can't have it both ways. So perhaps she crossed the line, perhaps yes, in the terms of her contract. It could be a WWE was just pissed that she was making money without them. That's that's been known to happen to. So I you know, it could be this one of these things where cooler heads prevail and she's back in a bit. Uh, it sucks that this had to happen in the wake of a historic title running. And uh, I don't know how much longer it was planned for, but, you know, this was, you know, they gave her the ball and she ran with it and she morphed and she, and she became so much better uh, than what she was and how she was used on the main roster. So it definitely sucks that way. Um, so let's let's see what happens in the next couple of weeks if she comes back or whatever happens. I think this is probably one of the few people I would want to see go to AEW in the midst of them signing everybody because she would provide an instant boost uh, to to that uh, women's roster. But damn, here's my thoughts on some of this. One, this is the same company that okayed her posting. Uh, a picture of herself naked with just two title belts covering her. Uh, they were okay with that. Uh, this is, you know, supposedly there were reports that they did ask her to tone it down and she refused. Um, and as far as the title run, she was three days short of becoming the second longest women's or second longest reigning women's champion because she was three days away from Shayna Baszler's number. And if she, even if she would have dropped it on New Year's Evil, which would have been January 10th, she would have far surpassed those three days. So she would have locked herself into the number two position beside, behind Asuka's title run or reign. So unfortunately, it, it's a real shame that on the timing of it, and uh, she's making more money on that site than her WWE contract was worth. So if she doesn't feel like she needs to take bumps anymore, she doesn't really have to. So we'll have to see. Moving on to the next topic, the Sasha Banks situation. Seth and I touched on this a little bit in the last episode, but uh, some additional information has come out since then. Reports have her already gone from WWE as of several months ago, likely when it was reported back in June, and that she negotiated her own release over the summer. It would have included a compromise of not appearing in a wrestling capacity until 2023. According to Dave Meltzer, she wanted pay similar to Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair, but people with the knowledge of the situation said WWE never made her close to that type of offer. Sources also told Meltzer that Banks is not viewed internally as, quote, somebody who would be on top for the next five years, end quote, but rather as a wrestler who has already, quote, peaked as a star, end quote. She is appearing for New Japan Pro Wrestling at Wrestle Kingdom 17 in January. It is rumored that she will face Kyrie for the women's title at some point, possibly as soon as their February show. The AEW rumors are starting up again due to the relationship with New Japan. 
and the rumors of her being Soraya's mystery partner for the January 11th Dynamite in Los Angeles. Your thoughts? Yeah, I did hear the uh, I did hear the news that she wanted uh, a contract the same size as uh, Becky and Charlotte's and such. Obviously, we don't know how much that would have been. Um, and it, it did, it did seem like she wasn't as high on the card as the others were. They, you know, even with that, uh, tag title run, I think, um, they, they seem to be not as uh, high in the card as you'd think they, they would be. And who knows? I mean, obviously she's going to appear in new Japan, which I can't see her appearing there without wrestling in some capacity. And we know New Japan and AW have that working agreement now, so it's very possible she could do both. It will be interesting to see how much of a uh, draw to the crowd she could be, because obviously it's a non-WWE audience, and she seems to think that if she's on that level of star, and if they if she gets the money that she's asking for, then you know, good on her. So, uh, I think also. If she does work AEW and New Japan, she'd have more control over what she can do outside of wrestling, I, whether it's more acting roles or you know, TV appearances elsewhere and such, or you know, if she wanted to start a Twitch channel or something like that, I don't know if she has one, but those are the type of things she wouldn't have to worry about getting okays from management in order to do. I guess that's the best way I can put it. What's actually kind of funny is she's still on WWE's roster page. After all of this, so your website people, we had to get on that. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I I've made my feelings about Sasha pretty apparent since this has all happened. So bye, Felicia. I really couldn't care if I saw her anywhere else. Her her ego is way too inflated. <laughs> Why don't you tell us how you really feel? <laughs> I think I just did. Duly noted. All right. Um, I think it'll be interesting, her being in other places. I think it's a severe miscalculation saying that she's peaked as a star already. I think that's sour grapes, if you ask me. Um, if you would have treated her better, she could have been your star, but you chose not to go that route. So, um I'm not going to argue about pay. Everybody who takes these risks in the ring deserves to get compensated, but uh, she's definitely not peaked as a star. So that's my opinion on it. Final news topic. Triple H and other WWE officials reportedly down on returning superstars. And my immediate opinion is most of that is his team's own doing with mediocre booking. But a report from WrestleVotes notes that a handful of talent brought back during the rehiring wave of the summer have, quote, underperformed and severely underwhelmed, end quote, Triple H and other officials since returning. It was not noted who was being referenced in said report. It would be interesting to know what standards they were being expected to have as far as uh, who were all brought back. And I think it may not necessarily be some of the bigger signings like uh, your people in their women's uh, division and such. It wouldn't surprise if it's uh, 
somebody like it row or that group because they got hired back right away. Um, and they already have an impressive roster, so they can probably cut some people and still maintain a uh, elite roster, so to speak, no pun intended. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll see where, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. I would be interested to know who we're talking about and, and what the deal is. I think we can kind of make some inferences um, based on what's happening on the screen. And, um, Josh made a comment before about booking and storylines and you're right. Not, not everyone's getting the, the bloodline treatment right now. one's getting the, the top end storyline, but that being said, you kind of have to make dough with what you're given to sometimes, right? If you're normally not on TV and you're given a TV match, you need to come out and shine and show that you deserve to have more TV time. So if you look at it that way, then then perhaps there are those are are not um, are not up to snuff. I can think of a few folks. Uh, I really couldn't care if I saw again. I think Seth mentioned uh, Hit Row, and I couldn't really care for them again on TV. So yeah, I, I would I would like to know who this list is, and we can make some more targeted comments. But uh, and maybe that'll come out. As far as Hit Row, it it's really showing how much that group was held together by Swerve and how much they're lacking without Swerve. So, uh, I mean, good on them for getting their jobs back and good on them for trying, but I'm really tired of them feuding with Legato Del Fantasma and the Viking Raiders. So, yeah. All right. Well, that was the news. And now we move on to the 2022 Wrestling Brethren Year End Awards. I will introduce the category, and then we'll just do the same as we do for our predictions. And we'll just go with Seth, then Jarrett, and then myself. So we are only doing wrestling categories. Uh, And so the wrestling categories we will kick off with is podcast of the year not including this one the wrestling podcast that i probably listen to the most is the brian and Vinny show which is on wrestling observers website and you do have to be a member uh, in order to access it so it's not something you can just it's not a free uh, out there show but they do a really good job of being and uh, know, knowing their stuff because obviously brian alvarez was a wrestler for quite a few years. So there's a really good dynamic of being funny and all the actual wrestling knowledge. So yeah, Brandon Vinny shows would be my pick. I don't listen to podcasts as much as I used to. I used to devour them by the dozens. Now it's a pretty rare thing, but when I get into a wrestling podcast, it's usually talk is Jericho just for, he's an entertaining dude. He's got a wide range of topics, and, and his wrestling stories are are always pretty epic, so it's always a fun listen. I'm going to kick things off with awarding my first tie of the night, and I'm going to tie to two interview podcasts because I like listening to interviews. So I'm going to say The Sessions with Renee Paquette and Insight with Chris Van Vliet because they are two excellent interviewers. And uh, they really do like at least 
hour-long interviews with their subjects, so I do appreciate that. Breakthrough Wrestler of the Year, male. For me, uh, I, there is two I could name. I don't know if I'd give them a tie, but both have been in AEW. I think maybe the one that's probably the most qualified to say a, a breakthrough wrestler would be Hook because he's only wrestled a handful of matches and he seems to be really good. He's definitely over with the crowd. I don't know how much further he'll make it up the card, but yeah, that, that'd be my pick, Hook. I actually picked a guy that's been around for a while, but over the past few months especially he's been kind of given a resurgence and a new chance to show what he's got and uh uh he's got some push happening uh although he just lost a big title fight but i want to go with my boy ricochet he's getting showcased like he never has before and it's fun to watch a good pick it's like somebody who worked with him previously knew how to showcase him <laughs> hmm well, my breakthrough wrestler of the year is one half of a tag team who got numerous opportunities to shine as a singles competitor, and I'm going with Dax Harwood of FTR. Who else can say in 2022 that he had matches with, and these are one-on-one -on -one matches, with CM Punk, his own partner Cash Wheeler, Adam Cole, Will Ospreay, Jay Lethal, Claudio Castagnoli, and Brian Danielson, and have every single one of them, in the words of Seamus, be banger after banger after banger. All good quality matches and really putting Dax Harwood on the map as a singles competitor. Breakthrough Wrestler of the Year, Female. I'm going to go with another AEW, this one. And the, as far as AEW women go, I think you can guess where I'm going. She's just completed her first year. She's undefeated. Um, I'm not an in-ring critic, so I can't really comment on how good she is in the ring compared to others. But she's got the look. She's got a great charisma and seems to be getting really popular. So I say Jade Cargill. Yeah, that's a good pick, too. I, I had a hard time picking this one because... Generally, the state of women's wrestling is is not great right now. Um, I, I just went with who my kind of my favorite new-ish person is and uh, someone I've just kind of started watching recently and, and are trying to get invested in them, so I'm going to go with Nikita Lyons. I can't believe I didn't consider either of those women. Uh, I almost forgot it was Jade's first year. Uh, I think... I think she started last year, but I think she's been TBS champion since January 5th. So her title reign has run all year long. And Nikita, I completely forgot about, mainly because she's had a couple of injuries that have, you know, left her in a stop, start, stop, start uh, booking situation. Uh, but I'm going with Willow Nightingale from Ring of Honor slash AEW. Uh, she is improving every time I see her and she is the quintessential baby face and they don't really have a lot of those right now on the women's side. So the crowd's getting behind her. So I am definitely going with Willow Nightingale. Okay. 
wrestling surprise of the year? Yeah, there's really only one thing that stood out in my mind when I saw this category of surprise of the year, because it's something I didn't think any of us thought would happen. We talked about it earlier, Vince Man retiring. And we thought he was just going to be around until, I think he even said himself, he was going to die in the chair. That's just one of those things that put wrestling into a position that it hadn't been in decades, you know, 40 years, basically, you know, WWE without Vince McMahon involved. And I don't think anything else, at least in my mind, comes close to that as far as being a surprise. There's been a lot of surprises in in 2022. That was definitely one of them. Um, There's been returns. There's been debuts. There's been people changing promotions. Um, I'm just going to go with uh, a personal favorite because it was something I was calling for to happen. And then it finally happened at Clash of the Castle when Solo Sokoa showed up and saved Roman from Drew McIntyre and joined the bloodline. That was a great one for me. So that's my pick. If you knew it was coming at some point, were you really surprised? I was. (laughs) I was because I didn't know when it was coming. And I had figured, well, if it hadn't happened already, it probably wasn't going to. I didn't think it was happening then. You didn't think he was catching a plane to the UK, huh? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, fair enough. Uh, My surprise of the year, I'm going also with Vince McMahon retires from WWE because nobody had that on their bingo card come January of 2022. I can guarantee you that. So at the end of the year, that's the one thing that I can truly say was surprising. Okay, best storyline of the year. Again, there's really only one that stands out the most, and there's been a lot of good stuff in wrestling today, especially WWE as of late with them being more consistent because we all heard the horror stories of Vince ripping up a script just a couple hours before Raw begins. But this has been going on all year. It's actually been going on, I guess, a couple years now. And it's not only the best storyline in WWE right now, it might be the best storyline in all of wrestling for a few years. And, of course, I'm talking about the, the bloodline. Their their story, their uh, ascension to being at the top with, with the whole family and all that. And there's still probably three, four, or five logical ways it could still go where it, everything would still make sense. And I think that's a good sign when you got something that's captivating and also go in logical directions that you might not see coming. Well, unless you guys and everybody else who listens to this show have been under a rock, you know that I'm also a Monster Bloodline fan. Who would have thunk it? And and that's my choice as well, along right along with you, Seth. And um, after a few months of us kind of feeling that this thing had stagnated a little bit. They put it back into a hyperdrive and you got that amazing development between Jay and Sami Zayn and, and all the rest and the shenanigans and then the how they developed into what happened at War Games, which was booked beautifully and wonderfully with that line with Sammy and Kevin with Roman and Sammy, it was uh, Solo Sokoa joining, just lots going on, and it was all fair. So absolutely, my storyline of the year, the bloodline. 
And I will complete the trifecta in saying the bloodline. It is, as mentioned, the best storyline in wrestling. It has spanned long before this year. It will continue into next year. It is so well done. And the creativity from Paul Heyman and Roman and everybody who's been involved in this, it is. I can't say that it was Vince free because I can't say for sure how much he was involved, but I'm willing to bet it was little to none uh, as it continues to be great. And one of the things we had said over the summer was that it was stagnating because it was just feed Roman an opponent. He destroys them, feed Roman an opponent. He destroys them. And we were lacking in the storyline. Now we're back to storyline. And who would have thought that Sami Zayn being an annoying little gnat on SmackDown trying to kiss ass to the bloodline would have evolved into where we're at now. And the funny thing is before any of this even started, Jared and I had been calling for this to happen for for forever as far as we if, as far as i can remember you had the usos you had roman reigns we, we were like why why are we not having the bloodline why is this not a thing they keep mentioning it in passing but why is this not a thing and here we are 800 and some odd days into roman's pause 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 reign uh <laughs> and here we are who knew and it's awesome Oh, yeah. I think they say yeet. <laughs> yeet, my dog. God, <laughs> we're so white. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> All right. And on the flip side of the coin, the worst storyline of the year. There definitely have been some stinkers. I think there's probably a good half dozen that would take it for this year's award. But I'm going with one that is actually still ongoing, and I know that they've had an explanation in the last week or two, but it's a case where none of these storylines have worked, at least in my opinion, have not very captivating. And that's the Miz is broke storyline. As they've done this before with Shawn Michaels, they did it before with Big Show where they're trying to claim that these guys who have been superstars for decades somehow don't have any money. And anybody who can hear that and has have reasonable intelligence would think, okay, does WWE pay terribly or are these people just really bad with their money? Believe people that have been in main event storylines for years somehow don't have any money. Uh, it's just, it becomes more unbelievable the more you think about it. Try not to think about it. Well, they have money. Careful, Seth. One word. Mike Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> they have money. It's just Maurice controls it. So Miz, yeah. Miz has no money. <laughs> Maurice has plenty of money. I, I also picked that one. And not necessarily the Miz is broke. Part of the storyline with the whole Miz, Dexter, Loomis thing. Too many twists, too many turns that didn't make sense we're not um 
what's the word I'm looking for? They didn't have any impact. They just they did not bring me in as a viewer. I was like, eh, who really cares? And then to bring in Dexter, the a guy who doesn't talk, and you kind of almost half-turned Jano to be his mouthpiece. It was like, oh, boy. I mean, Johnny was good in the things he did, but I didn't think he fits in there at all. So that whole Ms. Dexter Lewis thing is just complete shite for me. Any wrestling, not Johnny manager. Yeah. You would think for as much as I ranted and raved about this storyline over the past couple of weeks or several weeks that I would have completed the trifecta and picked this as well, but I did not. However, I will touch on it briefly by saying I just saw a video last week saying that this storyline has gone on for 16 weeks. That's not really too long. But anyway, my pick of the, for the worst storyline of the year has already been fixed because my worst storyline of the year is anything involving the 24-7 title, <laughs> which is now non-existent and retired. Thank you, Papa H., I still think it was great when they went to throw it in the trash and completely missed. It's like, oh, that would have been so perfect. <laughs> it's it's an encapsulating thumbnail of what we all thought of that title. It's not even good enough for the trash. <laughs> it belongs on the floor. All right. Moment of the year. They say wrestling is about the moments. This is going to be one of those picks that people say, oh, here's Xanderax, the AW fanboy. We're in, and it's, it's not really so much that. It, it goes back to the thing of we never really thought it would happen. And I'm going to say the announcement of the Forbidden Door pay-per-view that AW New Japan did because I didn't think we'd ever truly get that. We might get some AW guys on the New Japan show where there's the occasional crossover talent but i wasn't expecting an actual pay-per-view and i guess there's going to be another one next year so that's that's just one of those moments that's like oh i didn't think i'd see that i'm still trying to decide <laughs> right at this very moment the, the, the one i had written down i'm, I'm going to change it i originally had cody rhodes wrestling through a torn pack at, at hell in the cell which was in, in, in a hell in the cell match uh, against Seth Rollins was amazing. I'm going to go and say that would be visual of the year. Yeah, the visual of the year. Yeah. No, I'm I'm going to change my answer and I'm going to say CM Punk shooting all over the world of that at the all out press conference was probably the moment of the year. <laughs> yeah, it was that was nuts. Well, my moment of the year took place at a premium live event before it was called a premium live event where moments are usually made in the first place. And I'm talking about WrestleMania and my moment of the year is the return of Cody Rhodes to WWE and WrestleMania. That was on my list too. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Wrestling finisher of the year. I did have to think about this one for a bit because I'm trying to think of the last time I saw a finisher and to be like, oh, that's that. Wow, that's amazing. Hadn't seen anything like that before. And then I started thinking, you know, the finisher 
of the year doesn't have to look flashy. It doesn't have to be a reinvention of the wheel. And I know this is going to go into another prize for the bloodline, you might say, but I am picking Roman Reigns' spear because he's still champion all year, and that's his finisher move. Clearly, it's a good finisher if, if he beats everybody with it and nobody's kicked out of it or anything like that. So, yeah, spear from Roman Reigns. I'm still thinking, but I'm going to go with uh, um, someone that actually just got sacked, and and we were talking about it earlier, uh, and I'm trying to think of the name of it. That's why I'm stalling. Um, Kiss by a Rose. Josh, you've got it. That, yeah, that, 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 and I'm thinking of the specific one too, the one you pointed me at from just a couple of weeks ago. Just, just sick. Looks so good. It's funny that you say that because that was my selection as well. Kiss by a Rose, Mandy Rose's <laughs> finisher. When she hits it square, it is a thing of beauty. A couple of weeks back, like Jarrett was alluding to, she hit Roxanne Perez. Was it Roxanne Perez? No. She hit Caden uh, Chance, Katana Chance, whatever the hell her name is now. Please fix that, Triple H. <laughs> yeah. She hit Katana Chance with the kiss by a rose coming out of the right side of the screen out of nowhere. And man, just flattened her like nobody's business. The one she hit at worlds collide to win both titles. God damn. Was that good? (laughs) I've never seen a flying or running knee look so smooth. That move was amazing, and her title run of 413 days, there were many kisses by a rose, let me tell you. So that right there, finisher of the year. Whoever came up with that name must be a really big SEAL fan. Well, they had to change it so they didn't get sued. So instead of kiss (laughs) from a rose, it was kiss by a rose. (laughs) All right, come back. Of the year. Pretty self-explanatory. I'm assuming I'm not going to be alone in this, but I am picking the comeback of Soraya slash Paige because she was one another one of those we weren't sure if we were ever going to see her wrestle again. Uh, certainly not in WWE. Uh, so it's like when Punk came back or when Danielson came back, we weren't, we weren't really sure if we were ever going to see them come back again. And her story is a lot shorter than Punk's is. I think it's, it's around the same as uh, Dan O'Brien. Might be might be a, a year or two more. I forget how how far ago she uh, last wrestled in WWE. But uh, that's that's my pick. I think it's uh, for me. It, it's the biggest standout as far as somebody coming back that you didn't think you'd see. Yeah, I also picked Soraya as well. Again, that kind of injury, uh, told him never going to wrestle again, and then there she is. So that was that was huge. Glad to see her that she's fought through everything and is able to get cleared and come back, and that was pretty sweet. So good on her. 
I'm going to pull a Jarrett here and change my answer right now because I feel like a dope <laughs> that I didn't think of Soraya. Uh, <laughs> originally, I had everybody who was re-signed by WWE that had previously been fired because that is, in their own world, their comeback of the year because they got rehired by the promotion that they had dreamed of working in. But nothing can really top Soraya, and uh, I'm, I'm sad inside that I didn't think of that, and that's, that's a damn shame. So apologies to Soraya, but uh, I will take the proverbial eraser and change that now so that we <laughs> run the gamut and all agree that Soraya is comeback of the year. This could also be uh, unanimous, most underutilized talent of the year, and I have documentation to back mine up. I did think about this one for a while because, again, there are many picks that would qualify. But the guy I am picking uh, only made his uh, comeback, you might say, recently in the latter part of the year. And I'm going to say Cesaro slash Claudio Castagnoli because we all saw how good he is. And yet he never seemed to get past that tag team or U.S. title level. And him being the Ring of Honor champion, I think, is is a perfect spot for him right now. I think we all believed he could have been world champion at WWE and people would have bought it. So that's why I'm picking Claudio Castagnoli because of the first uh, two-thirds of the year before he got into AW. To me, I think there's only one possible answer to this question. A gentleman that moved from WWE to AEW and started off amazing and who we haven't seen in I don't know how long, but I got to go with Miro. Okay, I can see that. Yep. Jarrett, you are correct, sir. That is the answer for this category. This man has wrestled <laughs> four times this year. Four. Dynamite, June 1st, defeating Johnny Elite. Dynamite, June 15th, defeating Ethan Page. Losing in a fatal four-way at the Forbidden Door. And winning in a tag team with Darby Allen and Sting, which made no fucking sense at all. Out. <laughs> Four times he's wrestled this year and he has not been injured the entire year. There was a report recently that said he is waiting because creative has nothing for him right now. This is <laughs> a goddamn redeemer Miro. How do you not have anything for him right now? Unexcusable. This is completely ridiculous. And if you don't want him as world champion, fine. Have him on every week and destroy guys from dark. I don't care. How hard is this? Miro, <laughs> most underutilized. Ridiculous. I knew that was going to set Josh off. <laughs> Creative has nothing for you. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> well i mean when you have uh 4,237 people on your roster it's pretty hard to go up with something for everybody 
Can't get Miro on TV, but we just signed Action Jackson or whatever the fuck his name is. <sighs> Carl Weathers? Wow. <laughs> we got nothing for Miro, but we're gonna we're gonna fuck around with Satnam Singh. <sighs> All right. Moving on, or this will become the Miro show. <laughs> On the opposite side of the coin, most overutilized talent of the year. Again, this is based on stuff that happened earlier in the year. And this was somebody we're seeing far often, more often than we needed to. And for some reason, he kept getting put into the, the uh, uh, upper part of the show, even though he just never really clicked as a wrestler, and I'm going with Omas. He would have been better utilized in that diesel bodyguard type role, or, or Nitron, or whoever the really big uh, bodyguard type characters were. And he can just work on his in-ring work, still be on camera as the bodyguard, and then when he finally does wrestle, hopefully be better, but... I don't know if I'm alone in that pick, but it's the, it's the first one that jumped out in my mind. I actually went with the Miz on this one. Because he's, if he's wrestling, okay, he's on TV wrestling. He usually has a Miz TV segment. He's usually showing up backstage. He's just all over the place. Does he need to be on TV that much? I don't know. Does he need to, does he need to be the, does Miz TV need to be the thing that, kicks off a lot of feuds. Can we not think of something better? Um, yeah, a little little less a little less Miz, please. Sixteen weeks. It's <laughs> just corroborating your story. Josh is in the mood now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> mine is is just personal preference and my most overutilized talent is Baron Corbin. If he's oh, on God. my TV once That's a good one. it's too much. You keep changing his gimmick. You keep giving him other things to do. And I still don't care. Oh, they put him with JBL. Well, guess what? I hate JBL too. You didn't fix it. <laughs> <sighs> Enough Corbin. He's the same fucking heel every time. Every time you repackage him, he's the same shitty heel. I don't care. Oh, his in-ring work is great. I don't care. You you supposedly put him with JBL to be the, the modern-day wrestling god. He's still dressed like his previous gimmick. Could somebody in wardrobe catch up with the writing team? <laughs> Jesus. I mean, it's not that complicated. Oh, and if JBL can't get you over, then what the hell? <laughs> right? Who's over in this pair? JBL. Shocking. What did they do two weeks ago? They brought back an APA segment, poker backstage. Whose segment? Whose gimmick was that? JBL's, not Baron Corbin's. Ah, <sighs> get him off my TV. Okay, I'm gonna try to calm down. Feud of the year. I think we may have a trifecta in this one as well. I mean, it. it this is one of those. I guess you can't say it's a single angle. It's uh, multiple angles but it all involves the same people. So I'm going to give it a custom title here. My feud of the year is the bloodline versus everybody. You know, we already said it was the story of the year. So 
it fits, it perfectly fits for it to be the uh, feud of the year. I had to think about this one. And while, you know, I completely and utterly acknowledge my tribal chief, and I would love to agree with my partner, Seth here, um, I had to go a different direction. And I thought, you know, I had to go with a pure, not a blood feud, because that's getting a little bit nasty, but just a series, a, a trilogy of events, perhaps. Um, culminating with some pretty epic moments and I had to go with Cody and Seth Rollins. They lit it up for quite a while. That Hell in the Cell match was just crazy epic. Yeah, That was probably the best one of the year for me. My feud of the year, it's almost hard to believe at this point that it occurred during this calendar year and you have to go back to the first quarter of the year for it, but I said it was great then and it still holds true now, even though one of the players in the feud is persona non grata at this point. But for me, the feud of the year was a blood feud because there was plenty of blood spilled in it. But my feud of the year was CM Punk versus MJF in winter slash spring of 2022. And it would have culminated with Punk dropping the title to MJF had my winner of the next category not occurred. But we'll get there in just a moment. As we discuss botch of the year. Oh, dear God. There's so many ways to interpret something being a botch. I know the conventional one is somebody messing up a move in the ring. And that's actually what my pick is. But I think you could also put certain bad booking decisions as being a botch, but I am going with a move. It actually just happened. I think last week. And that was in the hit row match where top dollar tried to do the dive over and just kind of hit the top rope and then just kind of fell over like a domino and everybody kind of had to rush to catch him. And one more thing un- unrelated. I-, I said it before, I'll say it again. If the guy's name's Top Dalla, his first name should be Bill. And then have have a last name or something. So it would be Top Dalla Bill Johnson or whatever. You know? uh, it's actually funny because I went, I went searching for a move to be a botch this year. And I think in the past I've talked about booking decisions or or matches that went wrong or whatever it was. But yeah, I, I looked for a move and I found that one. And I had to go with Seth. So I, I can I completely agree, um, and it goes along with my utter dislike of of Hit Row. Just seeing him completely torch that move was like that is something that if you're a wrestler, you should be able to pull that off. Like there's many a big guy has landed that move, and just to see him bounce and entangle himself in the ropes for a moment was just utter hilarity to me. So, yep, top dollar, you, you botched it. I'm not going to name this my botch of the year, but I'm going to speak on behalf, or not behalf. I'm going to speak in favor of top dollar, saying that he says his knee buckled because he's hit that before successfully. But I'm also going to speak against top dollar and use his own rap against him who hits the rope hotter than top dollar? Not nada. 
God, that was a, he could have killed himself on that. Jeez. But anyway, my botch of the year is not a move, but an event that I previously referenced. My botch of the year is the all out fallout from the media scrum. <laughs> because not only did this put a, a dark cloud on the event itself, people barely remember that MJF returned and had a great segment on this pay-per-view at the end. But I think AEW was put into a tailspin that they are just now starting to recover from. And I think the second half of, or the second, can't even say the second half because it happened in September, but the last quarter of the year was heavily and negatively impact impacted if I could talk in proper tense by this media scrum and everything that happened afterwards. It took a lot of recovery. It took a lot of backpedaling. It took a lot of um, people stepping up in leadership roles. And worst of all, it made uh, Tony Khan look like a supreme idiot by letting one of his talent take control of a situation that he should have taken control of. And we've spoken about this at length, so I'm going to just end it there. But yeah, botch of the year, all out, fall out, or as Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful Select has called it, brawl out. All right. Now for this next category, I'm a little pissed because I had an entire list of nominees that I was going to run down that anybody could have chosen because for news of the year, there was about 15 that you could have chosen <laughs> for news of the year, but I lost my original list. So I, I only have the one that I ended up choosing, but there were numerous news headlines over the last 12 months that any other year could have easily won on their own. But what do we have for news of the year? Well, we mentioned it before, so I'm just going to mention it again. It follows back in with never thought we'd see it. And I'm going to go once again with Vince McMahon retiring. For all the reasons I said earlier. Yeah, there, there was a lot of crazy things in 2022, but I think that was the craziest. And not just the fact that he retired, but the, the hush money payments, the sheer number of people that were involved, the realization of what a dog this guy really was. Um, and then to see him step down and, and not only is it news because of the retirement and all the things and the allegations that came up, but I chose it because of the impact it had. And if you think from what we've been talking about lately, from the time that Vince stepped down to Stephanie and Nick and triple H taking control and then the creative getting so much better and we're actually WWE fans again, have been turned around that had a huge impact as well on on the wrestling landscape so that's why that's my news of the year i guess i didn't need the rest of the list since we all picked the same thing but i i termed my <laughs> saying vince mcmahon being <laughs> investigated by the board of directors because that's kind of what kick-started this whole thing off but just off top of my head there is cody leaving aew thought that would have never happened um, Triple H being named head of creative. Uh, 
I mean, there's like 13 others, but I can't think of them. But anyway, yeah, nothing can really top (laughs) Vince. So that's where we're at. In another category that should sweep faction of the year. Yep. I know this one's going to sweep when I picked it out, and I don't think I'm mistaken. We're all on the same page here. Might as well get the trifecta out of the way. The bloodline. There's only one answer. The bloodline. Blackpool combat. Oh, I'm sorry. The bloodline. <laughs> that's a sec- good. That's a solid second. Promotion of the year. I think most years, if not all of them, I've picked New Japan. Uh, this year, I'm not doing this. It's the first time I've picking AEW. I don't think. I don't think I might have. Maybe I did once before, but uh, AEW, even with the setbacks that they've had, the show has been consistently entertaining, uh, even with the curveballs that they were dealt. And uh, for that, I definitely give them my uh, promotion of the year. And I did consider New Japan, but there wasn't anything with New Japan that really drew me in. There was a lot of stuff in AW, AW that drew me in. And I did consider WWE for the same reason, you know, the bloodline storyline being so great. But uh, outside of the bloodline, there's still some cruddy stuff that goes on. I mean, it's it's definitely a lot better, but there's still some stuff that I roll my eyes at when, when I see, such as people trying to tell us that Miz is broke. I'm actually switching mine up this year, too. I'm not picking AEW. This AEW has turned into a mess. They can't manage their roster. They can't manage their talent. The CEO is potentially not in control of the company. And they're not putting the best product they can out there. This is a, I don't know, they're, they're not, they have so many people that they're trying to get in and out that everything is suffering as a whole. Orange Cassidy has a title. That's part of the apocalypse happening. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I got WWE. It's, they've, like I said, they've turned that juggernaut around and it's gotten so much better under Pop H. It's not perfect yet. It's got a long way to go, but I think they're, they're very solid and they've, they know what they're doing. Unlike, I don't think AEW has a clue on what they're doing right now. Yep. I'm going to have to agree with Jarrett. 2019, 2020, 2021, I gave it to All Elite Wrestling every year running. Yep. But now, even with just Triple H being in control for the latter half, is enough for me to go World Wrestling Entertainment because not only did they turn the juggernaut around, but they hoisted the Titanic from the bottom of the ocean and it is sailing once again. I have the last four episodes of dynamite still sitting on my DVR. I don't have any from WWE on there right now. (laughs) That should say lots. That's impressive. Yes. Pay-per-view or PLE of the year. Again, a lot of good choices this year. I think I'm making the same choice I'd done previous years. And I'm going to go with Wrestle Kingdom by New Japan. It's their WrestleMania. I think they did uh, a, a weekend, a two-day show, much like uh, Mania's been doing. Actually, I think Wrestle Kingdom may have been doing that before WWE. I'm not sure. They didn't, they're not doing it next year. It's going to be a, a one-day show, but that had some 
once again, some awesome matches. There was capping off a year's worth of storylines and uh, going with the uh, essentially just uh, making it all lead to one match at the end of the second night. And it's just, it's always a great show to watch. So yeah, Wrestle Kingdom, I think it's what, uh, 16 this year. It'll be 17 next year. So that's, that is my pick. I had a hard time with this one. There's a lot of, a lot of very good shows. I, I couldn't come up with an epic show. So I'm actually going to pick Survivor Series because it had probably the best book match of the year on that show, um, the men's war games match. And that match made the show for me. I've forgotten about, not forgotten about the rest of it, but that that booking was so important to get where we are today and moving forward for the next part of the, the year and through WrestleMania. Um, yeah. I thought about Crown Jewel. I thought about Clash at the Castle. A couple of strong contenders, but uh, yeah, I'll go with Survivor Series. I am taking the lazy road, and I am saying WrestleMania 38. You had the Cody and Seth match. You had Stone Cold Steve Austin. Who would have ever thought that? Uh, Kevin Owens facing Stone Cold Steve Austin. And somehow carrying him through and making it a wildly entertaining end of night one. Uh, Roman defeating Brock and creating the problem of unifying the titles. Unfortunately, little did we know at that time it was going to take about a year to fix that problem. Maybe, assuming we fix it this year at WrestleMania, but who knows. Uh, yeah, but I'm just picking WrestleMania for the spectacle. And now we get to the more subjective categories where we could have wildly different opinions, but we will kick things off with match of the year. I guess you could say that I graded this on a curve because it was one of those things where it just super exceeded my expectations and I've watched it several times since just the layout of it and the drama that was going on it was un, it was probably the most un WWE match I've seen in quite a while it was in WWE so I'm going with Gunther versus Sheamus at Clash at the Castle I mean that is one of those things you could look up Hoss fight in the dictionary and you might see a picture of that match yep this is the first and I think only category where I have a tie. Um, from an entertainment perspective, I picked the same match. Seamus versus Guntar won. Uh, that slugfest was insane. They beat the ever-loving shit out of each other. And it was so much fun to watch. The second part, as I just mentioned it, in the men's war game match of Survivor Series, from a booking perspective, was utter perfection. And it was amazing. Immaculate. For me, I don't have a tie on a technicality, but I have an either-or situation. I did pick Gunther versus Sheamus from Clash at the Castle, but my or is a match that I've heard that it was probably match of the year, 
I just couldn't see it. And so I can't give an honest opinion about it myself, but I would have to throw in FTR versus the Briscoes from Final Battle, the do double dog collar match. I heard nothing but great things about it. I tried and tried and tried to see it before tonight, and I just could not get my hands on it. So uh, mainly Gunther versus Sheamus, but it's certainly within the realm of possibility I could have been swayed, but we'll never know. Tag team of the year, male or female? Again, this comes down to more than one choice. It's really down to two choices. And I'm not going to argue for or against either one because either team has definitely the argument to be the team of the year. I am deciding to say it's FTR over the Usos simply because of this. I mean, the, the Usos were are, you know, the uh, unified tag champions or whatever you want to call it, undisputed. But FTR not only has had multiple championships, but multiple championships from three different companies in three different countries. That's something you don't see very much. So in my book, that puts FTR at the top of my list for Tag Team of the Year because it, it, all of their titles were in different promotions. It wasn't multiple titles in the same promotion. For me, there's only one answer. And it's my boys, the Usos. Like you said, Seth, they they unified. They became the undisputed tag team champions. And they set the record for being the longest reigning tag team champion of all time. Perhaps cementing them as one of the greatest, if not the greatest ever. So there you go. That That has to put them up there somehow. Going with the Usos. I am agreeing with Seth that there are only two choices. And I am also agreeing with Seth that it is FTR. They were the New Japan, Ring of Honor, and AAA Tag Team Champions simultaneously for the majority of 2022, having just lost the Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor Tag Titles on December 10th. This is a team that faced the following teams in this calendar year. The Rock and Roll Express, the team of CM Punk and John Moxley, the Briscoes in the first of a trilogy where they won the Ring of Honor tag team titles. They fought the Young Bucks, the team of Hermanos Lee, which is Dragon Lee and Drillistico, where they won the AAA tag titles. They faced the Briscoes a second time. They won the New Japan Tag Titles off of Aussie Open. They faced Swerve in Our Glory, Jeff Cobb and Ocon, Top Flight, The Acclaimed, and for a third time in the trilogy, the Briscoes. Nobody could have had a more top-to-bottom, robust, and successful year the only thing that would have cemented them further is if they would have won the AEW Tag Championships and been a quad champion. And for the mere fact that they waited until December to give them a tag title opportunity for the AEW titles, 
really throws the AEW rankings in the garbage because FTR has been the number one ranked team for the majority of the year. But that being said, my choice is FTR. Babyface of the year, male. Again, there'd be a, a, several good picks this year. I'll make mine John Moxley because he had to step in with all of those problems that AW was, hap- was having. He came through in a clutch and won the world title, won it and lost it, basically. And he did so supposedly he had to cancel a vacation to do this. So he got called in in the clutch and just knocked it out of the park. I think that's a good enough criteria. And, and of course, there's always thing of the, the reactions he gets. He's, he's clearly one of the top guys in AWR, arguably the biggest baby face. So that, in my book, makes him a worthy baby face of the year. I think you need to be considered baby face of the year when you're a member of a heel stable. And I'm going to give baby face of the year to Sami Zayn. <laughs> I thought for a second you were going to say Roman Reigns and I would have peed my pants. I did too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my baby face of the year, I'm agreeing with Seth. It's John Moxley. And the ironic thing is, is before he had to go away to rehab, they were dropping hints that they were going to turn him heel. And then he came out of rehab and with his entire story, you had no choice but to make him a hero. And he just ran with it and scored touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. And uh, to give a little spoiler on where I'm going to go a little bit later on, I will detail further my thoughts on John Moxley, or at least my thoughts on his year. Uh, so, yeah, I'll just leave that for later, and I will end my thoughts on the babyface here. Babyface of the year, female. The best female babyface this year, I think, has been uh, Bianca Belair because she had that high-profile feud with, with Becky. Turned out to be a long-term story of her going to get the title back after uh, Becky basically tur- took it from her and such. So she did all that clearly over with the crowd. She has good matches. She's got good charisma. So I, I think she's a worthy babyface of the year. Uh, funny how you mentioned... Becky in that description there, because I'm actually picking her as my baby face of the years. She's someone the the fans just did not want to be a heel after she turned. And then when she actually came back as a baby face to protect Bianca with the whole shoulder problem, the fans just got 100% back behind her again. And as the man, she's killing it and she's super over. And also because I can't stand Bianca. So there you go. That keeps my baby face. In what is a first for me, I'm going to Impact Wrestling for my baby face of the year female, and I'm picking Jordan Grace. She competed in the first ever Knockouts Ultimate X match this year. 
She was the inaugural digital media champion, which is apparently a unisex title. She had a mini feud with Matt Cardona. She won the Knockouts World title for the second time at Slammiversary in the inaugural Queen of the Mountain match. She had seven successful title defenses of said Knockouts title. She ended Masha Slamovich's undefeated streak in Impact. And she is currently booked to wrestle Mickey James in a title versus career match at Hard to Kill. Okay, heel of the year, male. Two standout choices. I'm not going to argue against or for either one if there's a disagreement. But I, for me, the clear choice is MJF. Well, he's just he's been not only entertaining, but can say and do stuff that makes you genuinely want to see him get the crap kicked out of him and have him lose. That's what a heel's supposed to do. So I'm picking MJF. Funny how I just want to turn the TV off every time I see him. My heel of the year is a member of the bloodline who is, like I mentioned before, supposed to be a heel stable, but probably his best work of the year was inter-stable and talking about Jay Uso and the development about the, the feud with Sami Zayn. Jay's getting my nod. Wait till Roman hears about this. <laughs> Uh, my heel of the year male is also Maxwell Jacob Friedman. He had a feud of the year candidate with CM Punk. He was gone during the summer, yet remained relevant. And he won his first world title at the age of 26. So, and you could also throw in there that he was a babyface in his hometown and a heel everywhere else, and still made it work week after week. So, MJF for me. Heel of the year, female. I had to think about this one for a while, and I don't know if I'll be alone in this. Uh, if I am, so be it. Because I really wasn't interested in too many of the female heels in WWE. Um, I mean, there, there were some moments, but my female heel of the year going back to AW and I'm doing, um, I'm saying Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. I'm going to agree with you, Seth, and I'm picking her because it's almost like it's default. It's like, there's just no one better. Um, else has stepped up to be the, a big heel, uh, like her throughout the year. So yeah, Britt Baker. I would like the record to show that I made my selection before she was terminated, but my heel of the year is Mandy Rose. <laughs> Wrestler of the year, male. I talked about him before, so I'm just going to say for all the same reasons. John Moxley, he pinch hit, hit a home run after home run, and it really takes somebody to be able to do that. Had great matches with just about every uh, type of wrestling style you could think of. I was thinking of putting it as Okada, but I've been a little behind in my New Japan watching. But, you know, because I put AEW as my promotion of the year, 
because I hadn't been interested too much in New Japan. So I'm just sticking with John Moxley. Yeah, I, I say quite a few times um, throughout summer and fall about how Moxley was probably the best he'd ever been at that point. But I still have to acknowledge my tribal chief, and I'm going to pick Roman Reigns, mm-hmm. as most everyone else has, topping the PWI, my wrestler of the year. I am going with my baby face of the year, and I'm agreeing with Seth, and I'm saying John Moxley. And let me tell you why. This was his entire year. He defeated Ethan Page, defeated Anthony Bowens, defeated Wheeler Yuta, CM Punk. No, I'm sorry. Defeated FTR with CM Punk. Defeated Brian Danielson, Jay Lethal, Wheeler Yuta, Will Ospreay, Daniel Garcia, Kyle O'Reilly, Dante Martin, with Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated Chris Jericho and Lance Archer. Archer, sorry. Then he defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi at Forbidden Door. With the Blackpool Combat Club, Eddie Kingston and Proud and Powerful defeated JAS at Blood and Guts. Defeated Brody King. Defeated, I'm going to butcher this name, but Konosuke Takshita? Takeshita, yeah. Okay, Takeshita. At Fighter Fest Week 1, defeated Roosh, defeated Chris Jericho, defeated CM Punk, defeated Sammy Guevara, Brian Danielson, Juice Robinson, Hangman Adam Page, Penta El Zero Miedo, Matt Menard, Lee Moriarty, Takeshita again, and Sammy Guevara again. He defeated almost every single person that was put in front of him only losing a couple of times. And as was stated before, stepped up in the clutch, did not take his six to eight week vacation that he was supposed to have. I still don't think he's left. And he was one of the leaders in the locker room along with Chris Jericho and Brian Danielson when they had to clean up the mess that CM Punk left. So, yeah. Definite Wrestler of the Year. And to wrap things up, Wrestler of the Year, female. Again, I'm picking the same as I picked for Babyface, so I'm just sticking with Bianca Belair for all the reasons I mentioned before. Yeah, as much as I can't stand her, you can't argue with the results, so I have to pick Bianca. I can, I can, I can argue. (laughs) (laughs) My Wrestler of the Year was my heel of the year, Mandy Rose, NXT, 413-day reign as NXT Women's Champion, which eclipsed almost the entirety of 2022, would have been 431 days, which would have been the second longest reign, as I mentioned earlier in the show, but she was released on December 14th. But She beat literally almost every single woman in the women's division on her record-breaking reign. She defeated Cora Jade and Raquel Gonzalez, Kaylee Ray, before she became Alba Fire, Cora Jade, Io Shirai, Kaylee Ray again at Stand and Deliver, Dakota Kai, Roxanne Perez, Indy Hartwell, Wendy Chu, Roxanne Perez again, Saray, Zoe Stark, 
she defeated Blair Davenport and Miko Satamora to unify the titles when world at at when worlds collide. She defeated Fallon Henley, Alba Fire, and Alba Fire again before dropping the title to Roxanne Perez. Nobody had as great of a year as Mandy Rose until she got canned. And that wraps up the year-end awards as we see them. So, I will say before I throw to any final thoughts, I will say that we are taking the remainder of the year off for the holidays. And the next episode, which will be the first week of January will be kind of the opposite of this very show. Instead of the year-end awards, we will be taking a look at the year ahead in 2023. So any final thoughts, final thoughts for 2022? Definitely a year to write down as one of the most interesting years in wrestling history. We had the before I mentioned Vince retiring, we had the debacle with Punk that, that kind of threw everything into chaos. But there also were a ton of great matches, a ton of great shows, and just a lot to have. There was a lot to like if you're a wrestling fan. I've said it several times this year that it's a very good time to be a wrestling fan because of all the stuff that's going on now in multiple companies. So I hope we get that in 2023 as well minus the stuff getting thrown into chaos. I'm looking forward to seeing what what else WWE can pull off now that the now the ship is righted. I hope that AEW gets their roster under control so we can have some semblance of order and not chaos over there. And I'm going to make an early prediction uh, is that Alexa Bliss is going to be either female wrestler of the year or heel of the year at this time next year. And the winner of the bonus award for turning heel on the very last live raw of the year goes to Alexa bliss. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's been a hell of a year. Uh, So many things happened that made this a crazy year in professional wrestling, which is pretty hard to accomplish considering we're talking about professional wrestling. Uh, so one thing I will say in terms of not, a not necessarily a botch of the year, but probably the poorest decision of the year is Tony Khan putting ring of honors weekly television behind a paywall, because now you just lost me as a viewer because I'm not paying for weekly television. So until, uh, that becomes on network television i can safely say that we will not have ring of honor predictions as part of our pay-per-view predictions because we won't know any of the storylines leading up to the shows so uh hopefully that will get changed but until then have a great holiday season happy new year and we will be back in january And until then, thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing, and we will talk to you next time.
Thank you for listening to this episode. You can subscribe to the Wrestling Brethren podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast fix to hear the latest discussion from the Wrestling Brethren. You can visit us at TWBpodcast.com for posts and episodes. Visit the mothership, if you will, at BehindTheSquaredCircle.com, home of the Behind the Squared Circle podcast network. Let us know your thoughts, questions, and comments at Twitter at TWBP Show, on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Behind the Squared Circle, and on Instagram at The Wrestling Brethren. You can follow Jared on Twitter at The Bacon Rev, and you can follow Josh at Southpaw Josh. Thank you again for listening, and we will talk to you again soon with more from The Wrestling Brethren.